this spring, I remember that the Reese family uh, sent us an update with some prayer requests. It was online. Uh, one, Tim, uh, they were stepping out of their house and kind of tore off, uh, I think, the nails or something on a big toe. I didn't look at the picture, uh, you know, very well. Uh, but, you know, they asked for that. And where they are in Mexico, um, the only way they can make phone calls is through Wi-Fi internet. And uh, they're not in the best of places, I guess. And so they just imagine Jordan not having Wi-Fi for like three days straight. Yes, camp for a week, but you can't talk to anybody. Yeah. See, you could do it again. Would you want to though? Maybe. All right, but but then that's their communication out, you know. And they're learning the language and going into a, a place where they, they're hoping their Spanish is good enough uh, to get what they need to get. So um, they just ask for prayer. And I guess the dishwasher broke. Or no, it was laundry. And so they promised to do washing machine. But uh, those of you who have many kids at home know that that is the one thing that is all okay to use. And to let that close get uh, backed up is not a fun thing. So you may just want to add that to our to your list as we come to this time of searching uh, God's word. As we look at uh, Psalm 119. And, and I just want to remind us right at the beginning, Psalms will teach us this, but we need to be reminded that God responds to prayer. That God is active. Amen? Amen? Otherwise, what Joyce just led us in is just useless. If it just goes to the top of the ceiling and falls back down, there is no point. But yet, as my one of my mentors said, God in his wisdom hardwired this world to respond to prayer. I'm not sure why he did that. He didn't have to. <clears throat> but he did. He didn't have to uh, invite us into prayer. But we need to understand that whatever in his wisdom, he says in James, if we'll do the devotions, is that you have not because you ask not. The parable of the persistent widow reminds us that God desires his people to pray. Now, a legitimate question is, how are we to pray? Now, that was, of all the things the disciples asked Jesus, it wasn't how to teach, it wasn't how to understand, it was how to pray. As we see, the heart of the Lord is moved by prayer. Prayer has been at the forefront, normally uh, in the beginning, of every great revival and awakening the world has seen. Not by accident. Normally we don't think of those things, and that's okay, because in and of itself, prayer can be a very private and personal thing. It is something that's not always done on the front lines, but is the most important and the most, uh, most reasonable and responsible thing we can do. So let me ask, what types of prayers are you praying? If you look back at your prayers this week, or maybe even just a couple of days. What themes can you find out in your prayers? There are many different 
types of prayers in Scripture. In fact, the Psalms will, will show us this if we were to interact with it. But what are the themes of your prayers? Are, I'm sure there are a theme. What is that? Take a look. And you may learn to grow when you're praying of things. Growing in a prayer, and I'm going to, um, you know, in this uh, sermon this morning, this message in our brief time, I'm going to give us seven prayers that we can pray based out of Psalm 119, 17 through 40. Just lifting them up because, see, the Psalms, uh, they're loaded. The book of Psalms is loaded with prayers. And what is beautiful is that when you don't know what to pray, if we interact with Psalms enough, we can just pray the words of Scripture, which is a very powerful thing for ourselves. But when you don't know what else to pray, if you just start quoting Scripture, you're probably on the right track. You're probably going to be praying a prayer that honors God. Because His Word is important, right? And if we pray His Word, there's less of a chance of, I wonder if I'm praying what God would want. Now, we live in a world that is used to disclaimers, warning labels, so let me give you a warning label before we get started this morning. Do not pray if you will not obey. If you're not going to obey the word of God, just don't even pray. And it's not going to end well. If you're not going to obey what God is going to reveal in his word through prayer, then your best bet is just don't do it. Some of the harshest words Jesus in the New Testament in particular, well, even the Old Testament has, are from people who, who acted like they knew what God wanted. They, they tried to follow God, but they did it only with their words, with their lips, and they never wanted to move their feet. And that's playing a game with God. And let me tell you, every time you play with God, you will lose. God is not a God to be played with. He doesn't take that lightly. But if we will be willing to pray and willing to possibly obey, uh, one of the other uh, devotions this week is from the Gospel of Mark where a chief that guy came asking for healing for his, his son that was demon-possessed. And he said, if you can heal my son, and there's a lot going on in the passage that, that you know, I wouldn't expect you to kind of dive in. But uh, Jesus says, if. And the prayer, the, the response to me is, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. It's one of my favorite prayers of Scripture. It's one of the most honest prayers of Scripture. I do believe, but I don't believe. Sometimes we need to have that. But if you were looking in Psalm 119, starting at verse 17, you will see right at the outset of this section that I laid out for us this week is a prayer. Prayer number one. Open my eyes. Do you really want to see? Do you want to be healed? Jesus. 
like that. As, as Ron has taught us in the Gospel of John, that the, the John 5, he asked the woman, do you want there the man if you want to be healed? And he goes, well, no, I'm going to help you there. Do you really want your eyes open to see what Scripture has to say? Or is it something when you read the Bible, it's to check off. I've done my Christian duty today. I've interacted enough with Scripture today. But the reality is, is unless we allow the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of our heart, our head, and of our ears, we can interact with this all we want. And it won't matter. I think of Pharaoh of Exodus. He saw the works of God, but he hardened his heart. He wasn't open to see. So I'm just going to ask, and I want you to think, what, what difference would it make if before you opened up Scripture, you just prayed this prayer? Lord, open my eyes to see wonderful things in your word. Do you think God will honor that request? Do you pray a prayer like that? Or not? What if before you came into this worship, I know one of my prayers is, Lord, just uh, open us up to what you would have to, to say. You know, but, but what if we individually prayed that? Do you think worship will change? As I uh, mentioned at the uh, funeral yesterday, I, I asked the question, do thorns produce roses or do roses have thorns? And I go, what does that matter? A whole lot. Are you looking at the thorns and on the back end you go, oh, there's still a rose? Or are you marveled that the rose can come out of the thorn? That's why I love our rose bush over here. I don't have to take care of it, it just happens. And you know, roses can be a finicky thing. But I can either get upset that I have a bunch of thorns in my yard, or I can marvel at the rose that happens at the end of that thorn. Do you look into God's word looking for that rose? And yes, you may find the thorns and things you don't understand, but if you pray, open my eyes, I bet you will see the rose. Even amidst the thorns. Alicia and I talked about this. We had two like roses that all of a sudden came out of nowhere. All the rest were just gone. But there were two there. You know, you open my eyes, Lord, to see the wonderful things in your word. And he goes on in these, you know, these two sections at the beginning that remind us that when we read scripture, there's going to be a thing where it may produce somewhat of a homesick feeling. It's not always going to be roses. The, 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 the psalmist hears that I, I feel like I'm a stranger in this this land that I live is how it probably should be kind of understood. The place where he, he, he thinks he's supposed to be at home becomes a place where he goes, oh, I'm not at home anymore. See, when we start to interact with Scripture, this, 
negative, quote-unquote, side of it is you may go, whoa, I don't feel okay anymore here. And if that's the case, you may go, well, I can't go. I've got to stop that. Oh, no, no, no. We were created for more than here. In Scripture, the psalmist says, God has placed eternity in our hearts. And so if you're interacting with God's word, you may go, I'm not okay here in this place. No wonder Hebrews and the Hall of Faith said, the, the world was not worthy of those who noticed that they were aliens and strangers, sojourners in this world. Because you will be home where you see things and go, I can no longer just be comfortable here. Scripture will provide you strength in the hard times. Life isn't always good. Life isn't always upward mobility. Life in this Christian life isn't always just a natural progression up. It is a roller coaster that many of us don't even realize we are on, nor necessarily want to be on at times. Being a Christian sometimes makes this world harder because we start to realize we're not comfortable here. And if you are very comfortable in this world, I'm going to ask you not to pray these prayers and not open your Bible because it will be uncomfortable. That's the whole point. It's to kind of take us out. But it will provide strength in times of need. I don't know how many times, the more I interact with Scripture, the more at just the right time I'm reminded of Scripture. Now, that shouldn't surprise me because that's kind of the purpose of the Holy Spirit, to remind us of all things, to bring to mind what we need. It will provide you strength. And then before we get to the other prayers, I just want to remark on this. God's word is a promise. I mean this in two different ways. His word, being the, the written words and all of scripture, is a promise to us of how things are going to go. But also this, I mean, if you read uh, in this psalm many of times, uh, especially uh, verse 28 is, is one of those times it is there. Uh, Verse 9. Uh, my soul is weary. Strengthen me according to your word. Another way of translating that would be promises. But see, the Hebrew language, the best I can understand it, does not have a word for promise when God is the one making it. The closest thing we have is the covenants he made. But a covenant was also a legal agreement, not just from God, but from the people he was with. And as one writer said, that's because whenever God kind of says it, it's a done deal. He doesn't have to say, I solemnly swear, I vow to do this. Humans have to, because sometimes our word is cheap. Our word doesn't always carry the weight, but God can't undo something he said he'd do. Okay? He, he, when he says it, it is done. There was kind of this saying in ancient culture that when the uh, king would decree something, so let it be written, let it be done. When God speaks it, it is done. 
There is no writing it that needs to happen. It is there. And so when we pray scripture, we're praying his word when it becomes a promise to us. And that's what the psalmist is coming on. Strengthen me according to your word, according to what you have already said. Make it be done. Oh, Lord. Keep me there. And then we get into verses 33 through 40. Every beginning part of this standard is kind of an imperative, a commanding. Do this, a prayer. So listen to these other prayers, and I wonder if you have the courage to pray these prayers. Teach me, Lord. Teach me. There is no better teacher than the Lord and the Word Himself. Acts says there was a time in the city of Korea where the Christians there searched the scriptures to back up that Paul was actually preaching the scriptures. And Paul did not take that personally. It was a good reminder that you and I ought to search the scriptures on whoever we are listening to to make sure it's reasonable and it's there. I don't know that uh, Pastor Ken or Pastor Paul or, or Ron or myself, I don't take it personally either way. I don't see where you got that in Scripture. Great. Let's have a conversation. You know, because you need to be grounded not in my preaching and teaching, not in any of the other great teachers of our day, but in the Word itself. Do you know why you believe what you believe? Can you point to Scripture? Not just picking, but see it happening. Teach me, O Lord, the psalmist says, the way of your decrees. We need understanding. This does mean that if you have the Holy Spirit, you can open up your Bible. You don't need me sitting next to you to understand it. It doesn't mean, though, as some, even in our Baptist way of being, will say, I have the Holy Spirit. I don't need anybody else to understand it. Oh. None of the early Christians, the apostles themselves, did not learn Scripture in isolation of others. You need others. You need what we call the church. Paul is clear in Ephesians that God has gifted others to help you learn the Word of God. And to think that you can do it on your own is arrogance and pride. We need one another. As Proverbs says, iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. We can disagree, but we cannot be in isolation. We cannot. In that. Third prayer. Give me understanding. It's very similar to the other one, but I see a difference in the progression here. Teach me means at least the Lord is to do something. Understanding means I also have a point in this. Give me understanding so that I might obey or keep your law. Do you really want to obey? If you don't want to obey, then you don't pray this prayer. You know, if Jordan this coming year, if 
pick on her because you're a senior this year, right? You're almost done. Yep, as long as you pass. And all right, I like the attitude. But it would be like Jordan going into uh, math class and really not wanting to pass the exam at the end anyways. So she's not going to sit there and go, go ahead and give me an understanding on this content that I really don't care about. Good thing you're not taking math, huh? At least she's not, right? You know, you don't ask someone to give you understanding if you're not going to do anything with it. Or please don't, you're just wasting your time. You know, if, if you really don't want to understand the intricacies of scripture or anything in life, don't ask. Don't ask. Fourthly, direct me. You can have all the knowledge and understanding in the world, but if it doesn't make a difference, who cares what you know? You know, this is the, the proverbial, why do I need to understand that? Carol probably hasn't heard that question at her age that you cover with, but you know, they have you ever sat, are you in calculus? Recount? Chemistry? Chemistry, okay. You know, you may go, what use is this when I'm 20 years later? You know? Or, sorry about you teachers, but you, when you said we would never have a calculator in our pocket, you know, you were wrong. <laughs> we have a calculator. I mean, why do I need to learn this? Now, I know a lot of times in schools that's asked kind of with a sarcasm, but there is a truth to some of it. Now, sometimes we need to learn from the process of learning, but at the same time, if, if what you learn is going to be of no value or you're not going to put it into practice, you one probably aren't going to learn it. But, but if you open up the scriptures, even when he says, uh, you know, throughout all of this song, there's an understanding that when you open up God's word, it is practical. It is important, and it's not just for academic exercise. But will you let God direct you? Or not? If you don't want to be directed, you do not pray Psalm 119. Fifthly, turn me away from selfish and worthless things. Verse 36 37. You can't focus on God and other things and work out. Jesus said this, you cannot have two masters. You will either hate the one and love the other. You cannot both serve God and man. Say money, I think it's an understanding of just these earthly things, these, these things that are about our gain. Because see, the more you interact with Scripture, you will realize there's a whole lot of things we can focus on in this world that really will pale in comparison. You know, that would be like if if I uh, undid my uh, you know sleeve here and I went over to Calvin and we decided who was uh, more tanned. Not to be much of a challenge. I'm much paler in comparison. Do that. Just the way I am. You know, the only thing that helps is my preference to now together this summer to make it look like I'm tan. I'm not. 
okay? But it didn't make that comparison. You start opening up scripture, you better believe the Spirit of God is going to say, oh, I want to, I want to speak about that. Well, I don't want you to. It ain't about us. We weren't created for our own ends. I guess I could have picked up Jordan and get the You know. I'm letting you off the hook every once in a while. All right. You know, but, but, you know, you will start to. You'll start to see the things that you are told are important do not even come close to what God says. You're going to be reflected back. Do you understand how dangerous these prayers are? But how necessary these things are. How necessary in a world that is not concerned about turning away from selfish selfish things or other things. How dangerous it is. But yet, that was the point of the nation of Israel. They were to show the rest of the world that there is a better way of living, a different way of living. That's the same call, though we live it out differently than what they did. We are not the nation of Israel, but we are God's people in this time. Sixthly, fulfill your word. Fulfill your promise, your word, to your servant, not just your servant, in general, I think is what we need to, so that others may fear God. Not a fear and watch out necessarily, though that can be appropriate, but when you understand that God is faithful and he will do what he says, when you read scripture, you go, I think I want to know this God. Romans 1 talks about we can see that in all of creation. His characteristics, his beauty, his majesty, his power, which should make us go, there's something about this God I want to know more. What if you and I, instead of just praying, Prayers and intercession, though we need to, we would say, fulfill your word. And, and here's the thing. I think we need to be reminded that, that though we can have, we can be taught, we can have understanding, we don't always know how the fulfillment is supposed to look. Because we are not God. Part of the, what got Jesus in trouble, he was saying, hey, look. God is fulfilling his word. And the people go, no, he's not, because you can't be it. No, 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 we have a different image of how God should fulfill his word. I, we have figured it out, and what we figured out is it's not you. And we look back and we see that. Which should give us a moment to kind of have us pause and say, as strong as I may believe something, I might not have it figured out. Even as we read, we know how the story ends, but at the same time, we don't know how the story ends. I have strong beliefs about how I believe the end times will unfold, but I also have this belief that I'm not God. And I don't fully understand the word. 
at home and beyond. Maybe it's through the Bible app. There's a team of us that try to do the same devotion. Wouldn't happen in YouTube. It was always good. You know? Uh, but others, what is it? I ask though, once again, do not pray these prayers if you're not willing to obey the answer. It is best not to pray if our feet aren't willing to move. And if you're not willing to move, it's okay to admit that. God isn't going to shame you because you're willing to admit, I don't think I really want to know the answer. But I challenge us. There's seven prayers here. What if we pray those seven prayers in that seven days? Pray upon our churches. Pray upon your life. And maybe we will see God show up and show up again. We have. And we will continue. But now we are also looking. you really pray with me this day? Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are faithful. That you will fulfill your word. As Paul says in Corinthians, the letter, every promise is yes and amen in Christ. We thank you for this. May we be found in you. And if there's someone here in the physical church or online watching this that have never really said, I want to be in Christ, that they would just uh, willingly say, you know, Lord, I I come. I confess that you are Lord, you are the king, you are the ruler that has the right to tell me what to do. And I will submit to you today and every day to the best of my ability. I want to be your child. Knowing that when that prayer of some sort, when, when that motive is there. They are truly saved, regardless of where they are this day. But now the challenge is to grow. And so, Lord, open our eyes to see the wonders that are in your word. Teach us, O oh Lord, your ways. Give us understanding that will lead to life. Lord, direct us individually as families, but direct this church. And Lord, if, there's, if I need to get out of the way because I've not allowed I've been causing detours and getting out of the way. The Lord direct our feet. And when we stumble, will you pick us up? And when we are slow to move, will you just kind of push us or pull us or even, if necessary, carry us in those ways? Lord, help us to turn away from the things of this world. May they grow dimly as we look at your word. May you truly fulfill your word and the ways that your word states like forgiveness as we confess it to you of salvation that is available Lord uh, fulfill your word that you would cause people to see because they have been blinded of the goodness and the light of the gospel but fulfill your word in the fact you promised to come back so come on come back even today fulfill your word we would know the truth that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Fulfill your word, O Lord, this day, so that our lives would be preserved in you. And you said, whoever would give up his life for me would gain it. 
that when we are in your hands, that nothing snatches out of that hand. That you hold the keys of death. And so that for us as a believer, if we are in you, death has been defeated. And we pass through unto life. Fulfill your word this day. And may we truly be able to say and pray, lead us, O great shepherd, into the path and the pastures that you have brought. For you are with us. Lord, we thank you for that. And we pray this. And the good shepherd, Jesus' name, is said. Amen. Will you stand?